Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning. They do a great job, and they'll do a great job for you. Just Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com, and give them a call. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll complete our discussion of tort reform. Andrew Joppa is a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. He'll be joining us, as well as Larry Bell. Endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, author of several books, his latest, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. I've read the book. It's absolutely great. Uh, He also writes a column for uh, Newsmax as well. It is April the 7th, and on this day in 1994, violence fueled the launch of what would become the worst episode of genocide since World War II. The massacre of an estimated 500,000 to a million innocent civilian Tutsis and moderate Hutus. Following the first wave of massacres, Rwandan forces managed to discourage international intervention with the murder of 10 Belgian peacekeeping officers. The Tutsis, a minority group that made up about 10% of Rwanda's population, received no assistance from the international community, although the United Nations later conceded that a mere 5,000 soldiers deployed at the outset would have stopped the wholesale slaughter. The immediate roots of the genocide dated back to the early 1990s when President Ahutu began using anti-Tutsi rhetoric to consolidate his power among the Hutus. Beginning in uh, October 1990, there were several massacres of 100 Tutsis. Can you imagine that now? This is all happening because of consolidation of power. Although the two ethnic groups were very similar, sharing the same language and culture for centuries, just like Democrats and Republicans. The law required registration based on ethnicity. The government and an army began to assemble the uh, uh, word, which is interahuami, meaning those who attacked together, and prepared for the elimination of the Tutsis by arming Hoodoos with guns and machetes. In January 1994, the United Nations forces in Rwanda warned that a larger massacre was imminent. On April the 6th, the president was killed with his plane was shot down. It's not known if the attack was carried out by the Rwandan Patriotic Front, a Tutsi military organization stationed outside the country at the time, or a Hutu extremist trying to instigate a mass killing. In any event, Hutu extremists in the military, led by uh, Colonel Barsasora, immediately went into action, murdering Tutsis and moderate Hutus within hours of the crash. The Belgian peacekeepers were uh, killed the next day a key factor in the withdrawal of U.N. forces from Rwanda. Soon afterward, the radio stations in Rwanda were broadcasting appeals to the Huda majority to kill all Tutsis in the country. The army and the national police directed the slaughter, sometimes threatening Hudu civilians with persuasions when persuasion didn't work. Thousands of innocent people were hacked to death with machetes by their neighbors. Despite the horrific crimes, the international community, including the United States, hesitated to take any action. They wrongly ascribed the genocide to chaos amid tribal war. President Bill Clinton later called America's failure to do anything to stop the genocide 
the biggest regret of his administration. It was left to the RPF, led by Paul Kakami, to begin an ultimately successful military campaign for control of Rwanda. By the summer, summer, the RPF had defeated the Hoodoo forces and driven them out of the country and into several neighboring nations. However, by that time, an estimated 75% of Tutsis living in Rwanda had been murdered. 75%. Human beings did this, if you could believe it. And without the rule of law, this could happen anywhere. Anywhere. Including here. The consolidation of power. That was what that was all about. The Florida Department of Health reported 107 new COVID-19 cases and no additional deaths in Collier County on Tuesday. The moving seven-day average case in Collier County was 88, up a little bit since March 1st. At approximately 2 p.m. on Tuesday, there were 43 COVID-19 patients in Collier hospitals, certainly nowhere near overwhelming the hospital system in Collier County. So uh, the media is still selling fear porn about new variants in the virus. The public isn't buying, of course, because the Rangers' opening day featured 40,000 fans in attendance. Dr. Fauci couldn't explain. He was just dumbfounded by why Texas could open up. Cases are going down in Texas. There's a mask burning on the East Coast on April the 17th. I think it's in Fort Lauderdale, if I'm not mistaken. But anyhow, I wish I could attend. I think symbolically this is a very important event to burn these masks. And uh, I hope there's something like that here on the West Coast as well. Joe Biden said he wants to be an, a uniter, but before he starts attempting to unite Republicans and Democrats, he should work on uniting his own party. Biden wants to pass a $2 trillion infrastructure plan, but critics of the plan say that not everybody has to do has everything to do with traditional infrastructure and may believe that raising the corporate tax rate to 28% is a non-starter. Among them is Democrat West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, he told CNN. So he's not, if, if he, he's going to raise the corporate tax that much to 20%, he's not, not on board. And Kristen Sinema, by the way, is not on board with, re, with regard to uh, getting rid of the <clears throat> requirement for a 60% vote in the Senate. So there's a couple of people who are standing up for what's right. And here's another one. After being elected as a Democrat, North Las Vegas Mayor John Lee said on Fox & Friends Tuesday, that he's switching to the Republican Party. Lee argued Democrats' elitist and socialist agenda is not one that he can stand with anymore. Here's a quote. They had me at an election recently for the leadership, and four of the five people were card-carrying members of the Socialist Party, he said. It's not the party that I grew up with 25 years ago in this environment, and it's not the party I can stand with anymore. The working class or working men and women of this country and also the small business owners are not a part of the conversation anymore. It all has to do with the elitists, and it has to do with socialists. This is not the agenda that I have in mind for this country of the future. When you're a pro-life Democrat, a pro-gun Democrat, you're a very conservative person. That's not really well known in the Democrat Party anymore. No more blue dogs, are there? And so for me to hang on, as long as I did, hoping the party would change, it didn't, and it just got worse. So therefore, I found a new place that I can put my allegiance to, to and help. Once again, forget about the last eight years, then it's the next four years that predict the future. You know, it's just, uh, it's, well, it's just really refreshing to see one guy who's standing up and saying, you know what, this is just against my values. I can't support it anymore. 
Perhaps there's other out, out there, others out there that will have the same feelings and make the same declaration. Major League Baseball <laughs> really took a, made a mess in their own nest. Panic decision last Friday to put it its summer All-Star game out of Atlanta as a protest against Georgia's election reform law is evolving into a PR catastrophe. Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting all, rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to that ballot box. That, according to Rob Manfred, said in the decision, he's, of course, the commissioner of baseball, and the decision to pull the year game out of the Peachtree State. Who knew that MLB executives were such experts on voter laws? As we pointed out many times, the BLM allegations of voter suppressions are fraudulent. Apparently, there was so much opposition among the team owners. Alas, the decision to pull the game out of Atlanta was highly influenced by the players' union, whose leaders are all in line with the AFL-CIO, and we know how smart those baseball players are. <laughs> Manfred insists that there's the best way to demonstrate our values and support. Uh-huh. Well, why not pull the Braves out of Atlanta altogether? The sudden burst of woke righteousness didn't prevent Major League Baseball from recently signing a multi-billion dollar contract with China, where every voting, uh, voting rights don't even exist. America's favorite pastime has seen its attendance and TV audiences fall in recent decades. Now Major League Baseball is taking a risk of alienating conservative fans, as sports economist uh, Andrew Zimbalist put it. Trump has called for his tens of millions of followers to turn off the TVs on Major League Baseball games. MLB should have learned from the hit on the NBA and the NFL that took those leagues embraced Black Lives Matter movement last year. MLB would be wise to reverse its decision and keep partisan politics out of the dugout. By the way, according to the Census Bureau, Atlanta has 51% black population. According to the same source, Denver, Colorado has a black population of only 9.8%. These facts seem to indicate, as usual, leftist activists and organizations such as Major League Baseball are only virtue signaling rather than really trying to show constructive support for black Americans. Furthermore, as the Daily Caller noted on Monday, Colorado state laws that campaign workers are allowed outside of polling places to offer water snacks and other items to voters are who are waiting to vote but are not allowed to do so if they're wearing political branding. So Colorado has pretty much the same voter voter uh, restrictions, or support, I should say, uh, that uh, Atlanta has and Georgia has. The ultimate irony here is the founder of Coors, Coors, of course, Stadium is where they're going to play the All-Star game. The founder, of Coors, was a Barry Goldwater supporter and founding member of the Heritage Foundation. That just makes me smile. How stupid is this? Uh, there's other quotes, uh, quotes that I like to, to cite, but I won't have time until because we need to move on to our next guest. This segment of the show is brought to you by Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Levy. He is the chairman of the Cato Institute. We're going to be talking about tort reform. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a brand-new performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Andy Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government, C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Right, and needing uh, that more than ever right now in our republic. Uh, Indeed. So, Bob, uh, let's, uh, we were talking about tort reform uh, last week, and it's a pretty much of a mess. How has this malpractice mess evolved? Well, defenders of the current system would have every so-called victim of uh, any medical procedure that's imperfect. Uh, that victim has to be compensated, especially if the doctor happens to be employed by some corporate uh, interest that has deep pockets. And, and those theories of a sort of penetrated pretty deeply into uh, the minds of judges and juries. And so we have this this uh, malpractice premium that uh, people have to pay that probably exceeds the cost of actual um, misconduct. And the, and the doctors have come to believe that no matter what they do and no matter how responsibly they behave, they're going to be held liable 
mm-hmm. uh, for outcomes over which they don't have much control. So here, here's the issue from my perspective as a constitutional perspective, and that is if there's no constitutional authority, then the federal government uh, can't be intervening in these cases, and nowhere in the Constitution is there a federal power to set rules that control lawsuits by in-state patients against uh, doctors that live in the same states for conduct that occurred in the state where they both live. So it's hardly what you call interstate commerce. Uh, Some of the damage awards are shocking. Uh, They're not commerce, and they're not interstate. Mm -hmm. So malpractice reform may be desirable and may be even necessary, but it's no business of the federal government. So with that in mind, what role has the federal government played in resolving the medical malpractice problem? Well, Congress, you know, has considered legislation that caps malpractice awards and limits attorney's fees, and uh, the hypocrisy on both sides of the aisle is really pretty thick. The Republicans supposed to favor federalism, but, you know, back, back in Bush's era, they called, he called malpractice a national problem, requires a national solution. Mm. Um the fact is that not every national problem uh, is a federal uh, problem. Conservatives are supposed to be champions of uh, limited federal powers. And, of course, the Democrats are just as, as bad, but in reverse, they, they love federal re- regulation, yeah. but not when it might offend the tort lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, ironically, the one reform of medical insurance that would clearly be authorized uh, in the Constitution is to repeal these, these bans on the interstate sale of medical insurance. Um, but, of course, that hasn't happened. Yeah. The same Congress that wants to uh, control medical care within every state has permitted all 50 states to erect this uh, barrier um, uh, about medical insurance. That The Commerce Clause was written precisely uh, to tear down that barrier. Yeah. So interesting, Bob, and so much irony in what you're saying. So what have states done in this area? Well, a number of states have made some progress. Uh, Runaway lawsuits in Missouri, for example, were driving up the cost of business and forcing doctors uh, to close their business, close their doors. And uh, um, a Republican governor came in and did something about it. He uh, he, uh, Prevented form shopping, you know, that's going around trying to find the best court to handle your case. He, he uh, revised this joint and several liability, which says that if you go after the guy with the deepest pockets, no matter how little of the damage he called uh, caused. And Texas made uh, uh, good progress, and uh, Mississippi uh, was, was known as jackpot justice, and doctors uh, were fleeing Mississippi and said, 71 insurance companies pulled out of Mississippi, but that was reversed uh, by a new uh, tort reform law. And, of course, we we know our experience in Florida has been pretty good. So, like Florida, Mississippi is no longer uh, infamous as a judicial hellhole. So the states can and have made some progress. And we have, of course, in Florida, while there has been some progress, we've got a long way to go. So Right, right. We certainly do. I think, what, I think we rank well, something like 45th or something like that with regard to uh, tort reform. So yeah. uh, what would you recommend the states do? Well, first, they, they should enforce these arbitration provisions. Uh, often, uh, doctors will want to avoid the risk of uh, these runaway uh, jury verdicts and uh, and the cost of a lawsuit, and they'll require arbitration instead of litigation. And uh, in return, the doctor offers lower prices. 
and that arrangement can benefit everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the states haven't uh, been willing to enforce uh, arbitration uh, clauses in at least a number of states. A second would be um, this joint and several liability. That's that this deep pockets rule that says uh, injured patients can collect all of the damage from the, the uh, doctor or from the HMO. Just look to see which one of them has the de- deepest pockets, no matter which one of them caused the uh, the bulk of the damage. So a better rule would be to apportion the damage, you know, in accordance with how culpable each party is. And then uh, not so much in the malpractice area, but general tort reform, we have to rein in these p- punitive damages. Uh, they're intended to punish a wrongdoer uh, for repetitive or outrageous uh, behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've skyrocketed. And I think the states need to limit punitive damages to cases that involve intentional wrongdoing or at least gross negligence. Uh, not every uh, ac- accidental injury uh, that arises out of ordinary garden variety of negligence should be subject to these quasi-criminal uh, penalties uh, that are designed to deter intentional uh, misconduct. You know, I feel compelled to just mention K Street's not the only place that you have lobbyists. I mean, around every state in the nation has these <laughs> tremendous lobbyist pressures on these on these uh, legislators. A- absolutely, absolutely. Who are trying to make these decisions? So sometimes uh, you can you can see the need, but sometimes uh, the uh, pressure from lobbyists uh, wins out. Is there anything the feds can do? Yeah, the best thing they could do would be reform the tax code. Uh, in the in the U.S., uh, almost all of these medical insurance premiums are paid by employers and not by patients. Mm-hmm. And that's because businesses can deduct the cost of medical insurance uh, in computing income tax, but patients uh, can't. Uh, so it's more economical for patients to buy, uh, not to buy his own insurance, but to have the employer buy the insurance uh, with part of the cost gets picked up by Uncle Sam. And uh, this drives a wedge between the patient and the doctor. So not only is there an insurance company in the middle, but but the patient's not even paying the insurance company. It's the employer who's paying. So the net result is that patients seldom monitor the cost uh, and the quality of their medical care. And if you allowed patients to deduct the cost of medical insurance against their personal income taxes, that would eliminate this incentive for employers to pay for health insurance and it would remove the employer from the doctor patient relationship and then consumers would do what they do in all other markets they'd shop around for reasonable prices and good service uh, so tax reform i think is is the number one thing that the feds can do it, it'll work and it, of course it's a constitution now we'll be talking with uh, michael cannon tomorrow about that actually or and i should say on friday so uh, it's such an important point. And I'll point out that the reason why we have the, fe- the corporations right now paying this is the, the creation of fringe benefits at the time where, where the federal government limited pay raises. So they were looking for ways to keep employees back in the day during the Second World War. And they said, well, we've got an idea. Why don't we create fringe benefits? <laughs> right. This was just a workaround to some other rules. You know, another example, that's perfect example of the rule of unintended consequences. You pass a law thinking that it's going to do some good and it creates the consequences that you, um, in some cases, didn't even imagine. Um, and those consequences are worse than the, than the problem you're trying to fix. The road to hell is paid with good intentions. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> the, 
<laughs> Bob Levy, again, the chairman of the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit the very robust website, cato.org. Bob, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. That's our agenda, and we hope you'll hold us accountable to it. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz, a terrific read but off-topic for today's conversation. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. I just read my own book, and it's fabulous. <laughs> it is fabulous. <laughs> it is fabulous, and very interesting, I must say. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, so, Andy, uh, we've got a lot going on with regard to what's happening in our politics and our culture. Let's just start off with uh, this this fiasco about Major League Baseball. 
Well, you, you mentioned culture, and let me just uh, compare what's going on to the Chinese Cultural Revolution of the 60s, in which they tried to snuff out every cultural opposition or antagonistic position to the, uh, the, uh, the dominant culture in China that included incarcerations of many Chinese, and in some cases, executions even. So I think we're going through certainly a, a form of that. This is a typical uh, Marxist uh, ploy. It's what Mao used in China, and I think what we see going on in America is is pretty much the same thing, perhaps lacking some of the levels of violence that were associated with it, but that is possible in the future. This, this voting situation in, in Georgia, I think most commentators uh, have missed the essential points here. The essential reason that there is so much pushback against Georgia is First of all, the focus on Georgia during the presidential election of 2020 and then the, the Senate runoff. So you have Georgia as a focus point, focal point uh, for any kind of uh, election discussion. Once the Georgia legislature entered into any kind of action as it pertained to, to voting, uh, it was seen or presented as being a statement that the November 2020 election was fraudulent. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly why they're pushing back. That's the first thing. It's a, a pushback against the statement that that election was was uh, fraudulent in 2020. The other thing is it sends a, uh, a shot across the bow for all other states who have the audacity to try to firm up uh, their voting process. I, I, I mentioned this on the show, on your show before, Bob, but I am amazed how seldom the word legality ever appears in any of these discussions as it pertains as it pertains to the vote, you can you can read all day long and not find the word legal voting uh, even considered as it pertains to the vote. And I would suggest that the legal vote is infinitely more important than the ease of voting uh, in 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 American in the American uh, voting construct. So uh, that's that's my basic. Uh, point i i have others to make but uh, let me get your your uh, well, well, yeah, feedback on that my, my thoughts are i'm just really pleased to see states taking action uh or i know that we're starting to take some, some action right here in florida i'm not sure that it's positive action by the way because they want to start to limit more of the uh vote by mail and i think the system that we have here in florida works just fine but that said uh, most states i should do at least uh, red states are taking a look at voting laws and and uh, really trying to firm them up based on the travesty that we saw on November the 3rd. So that pleases me. And I think that uh, in Georgia, that's exactly what happened. And, of course, the president right now is saying, well, this is Jim Crowism and all this nonsense. <laughs> By the way, he was friends with a KKK leader. <laughs> <laughs> from West Virginia. Bird, yeah, I mean, certainly this is not a man with a, uh, a, no. a, a clean background. Uh, Biden's positions, uh, I, I would like to, I think the, the best you can say about Biden is his early dementia is preventing him from being rational. Uh, I think it's not <laughs> that, though. I think we have a man who is willing and uh, committed to lying whenever it serves the, the purpose of the progressive left. Uh, for example, he said that water could not be distributed to anyone in the voting lines in Georgia. That's a lie. Obviously, they were just saying that political operatives could right. not distribute water. Water right. could be available. People could bring in their own water. Their friends could bring in water. The only person, the people that could not do it were political operatives. So Biden lied about that. He also said the polls were going to be closing at 5 o'clock. Another, another lie about this, this whole situation. Uh, he, so this, these are not, I think... Um, merely mistakes of content as it pertains to Biden or or just errors of a, of a man in his uh, in his uh, 
in his uh, aging process. These are lies by a man who is willing to lie for the progressive cause. Right. Uh, they shifted, uh, as one of the results of this, they shifted the uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Game from Atlanta, a very black city, to Denver, a very white city. So right. this is not really dealing with the reality of a situation as to whether it helps blacks or, or hurts blacks. That is not the issue. This is an attempt by the left to firm up and make legal the illegal voting process of the 2020 election. That's that right. is all this is. So again, I mentioned this last week, but it's uh, I think it's worth uh, repeating. I think the Democrats, if they can't get H.R. 1 through, will in fact try to sustain as best they can the original voting model from 2020. And if neither one of those succeeds, I think we're going to see a very carefully planned distribution of illegal uh, immigrants into America, given citizenship and voting rights before the 2022 election. But I am absolutely convinced that that 2022 election will not be conducted in what I would describe as a legal manner, Bob. Uh, that is a, a scary prediction, but uh, you know a lot of evidence uh, th to back that up, including opening up the borders and, and not only opening the borders, but uh, shipping these people all over the United States. Uh, <laughs> the, the number of problems with this are just immense. But basically what we're doing is that we're going to end up with about a, a, a several hundred thousand illegal immigrants all over the United States as a result of this. Well, I think the number is larger than that. They're, they're projecting 200,000 illegal immigrants a month. Uh, that's the, the current projection. Uh, and I don't think they're just being randomly distributed. I think they're being distributed, uh, will be, if, if not now, uh, into red states and purple states. I think there is yeah. going to be an attempt to, uh, to overwhelm those states. Florida is a very fragile um, conservative majority, Republican majority. It, doesn't, it will not take much, Bob, to shift this into the, the blue state category. Uh, on the bright side of the issue, on the optimistic side of the issue, was a ruling in Wisconsin uh, that, that pleased me. Uh, the governor of Wisconsin had extended the, the, face, the face mask mandate. The Supreme Court of Wisconsin ruled that he could not do that. It required the permission of the state legislatures. That in itself is not dramatic, but it was the reason given for the ruling by the Supreme Court that pleased me. Mm -hmm. They said, we are not concerned at all with the wise aspect of his decision. We are concerned only with the legality of his decision. Uh -huh. I was so pleased to hear those words that the wisdom of a, of a decision is far less significant than the legality of that decision. I wish our Supreme Court took that position far more frequently, uh, but in many cases, they do not, Bob. Absolutely. Andy Joppa, again, Andy, we've got so, so much more to talk about. Can you stick around? I will be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the uh, Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. 
Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006 and I now have full range of motion in both knees and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, hearing the commercial uh, reminded me that I always enjoy having breakfast with Andy Joppa at uh, Lulabee's Diner, one of our advertisers. Uh, Andy, had many comments or thoughts? Well, I think it's the finest diner in terms of uh, quality of food and, and the friendship of the people. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a family-type place. I always enjoy going there with you because you're, you're a good friend. But the, the, the restaurant itself creates an ambiance, I think, that makes the whole thing more pleasurable, Bob. So I really enjoy Lulabee's. Lulabee's Diner, again, in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Also, Choice Social is a new and refreshing social networking platform. I hope you check it out. It's choicesocial.com. U.S. Coming up, we're going to visit with the Professor Larry Bell. Right now, we continue the conversation with Andy Joppa. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be with you, Bob. So, Andy, uh, let's change gears a little bit here to the uh, what's happened with the, the governor on 60 Minutes. Any thoughts? Well, I know you've had uh, several guests on talking about this uh, recently, so I, I don't want to become redundant. The only point I would like to make is I, I think we're seeing here a, a, a consistent pattern of CBS in terms of their reaction to uh, what they define as, as conservative uh, politicians. Uh, we might go back to the Dan Rather assault on George Bush during the presidential campaign in yep. 2020. Uh, and I think this is uh, not something new for CBS. It's just an extension of, of where they've, they've been. I think there's something we can extract from this. I don't know whether it's mentioned before, but I think CBS is defining that the left sees Ron DeSantis as the primary challenger for the presidency in 2024. Yep. Uh, I think their their attacks on him are so consistent uh, and so virulent, so as I as I was uh, describing, well organized that I think they see DeSantis as the lead candidate for the 2024 uh, Republican nomination. I absolutely agree with that. It just reminds me of uh, President Trump walking out on Leslie Stahl on her interview. 60 Minutes, I, rec- I remember in my lifetime look, just looking forward to 60 Minutes to see who was going to be brought down. They had great investigative reporting. And I, I, th- I thought at the time, maybe I was wrong, they were telling the truth. 
Now, I think this is just a political narrative, and they're looking for ways to support their conclusions. Well, there's, there's no doubt that's true. And the most worrisome, well, the most, one of the most worrisome things for me is the, the blatant nature of what's going on. In other words, CBS is, is, uh, is, can obviously be pointed out as having um, distorted the, uh, the response of the governor in terms of the relationship with publics. Uh, you can look at the, the uh, comments of, of, of Joe Biden describing the, uh, the actions of the Georgia legislature as, as Jim Crow, Jim Eagle, so this is this is a blatant uh, ex- exposure of their basic realities that they don't seem to be concerned with Bob. They seem to be more than willing uh, to uh, to show this face to the American public, and they have very little concern for the implications of it. That is worrisome that they feel that comfortable with being so blatant about these kind of actions, Bob. Uh, great point, although I do take take solace in the fact that I think that's, it's kind of a closed loop. In other words, they've defined their audience, and the audience is, uh, uh, yeah, same thing with CNN, for example. You know, they, they're, they're, they're preaching to the choir. <laughs> the people that they're trying to convince have already been convinced, and, and nobody else is going to watch. Well, I think everything about the progressive left is harvesting that choir. It's it's large enough in most elections. Uh, perhaps the reddest states will hold red, but uh, it's it's an audience that if they can harvest and and yeah. uh, and get to the polls and make voting so easy that uh, anybody can do it, even if you're in a drug-induced stupor, you can somehow get it done. I think their intent is to get a huge turnout for every election, and so their focus is not on the broad-based American popu- uh, population, but again, on that choir, as you described it. So yeah. uh, I think they're, they're doing this with intent, and I think there's a certain wisdom to it in terms of their political acumen. Uh, right now, we're pumping out several million new people from the colleges of America every single year. Many of them, I would say the vast majority of them, are, are blatantly uh, indoctrinated into leftist doctrines. And those, uh, those absolute requirements of the, uh, the group process in the, the younger people, younger people I'm going to describe as under 40, uh, requires that they adhere to these very rigid uh, social constructs of the progressive left. Bob. Oh, thanks for reminding us of that, because you're absolutely right. Uh, we're harvesting each year more and more progressives coming out from the indoctrination in uh, public universities, not just public, but private universities as well. And I want to see, do you want to make any comments about the woke culture and what's happening in some of our corporations like Woca-Cola? Well, <laughs> Well, I mean, we're looking at these are these are iconic institutions of America. When we're talking Coca-Cola, even Delta, uh, uh, Procter and Gamble's been thrown into the mix. So Major League Baseball, yeah. And, and again, I think it's it's okay to call for conservative boycotting of these. But what if Florida Power and Light was to become woke? Well, do we do we somehow turn off our electricity? Yeah. I am more in favor of these corporations not supporting conservative positions. But supporting legal positions, for example, if if Coca-Cola and Delta had merely stated that uh, the Georgia uh, action, legislative action, had actually expanded voting access, had actually made that point, then that would not be supporting a conservative position, but just supporting the reality of what that legislator legislation did. Right. Uh, on the other hand, for us to boycott, I I, I don't feel it'll be be effective. I, I have serious doubts about how much concern they have with this. Uh, so I just like to see more uh, support for the um, historic 
historical American system, legal voting, and and the process that is trying to achieve that in America right now, Bob. Yeah, you know, I, I part with you a little bit, Andy, in this way that, uh, for example, Major League Baseball, uh, I'm not watching any more baseball games. Uh, with her, I'm not going to fly on Delta. I mean, I made these decisions just, and I think if there's enough people like me, and and I think we we've, we've proven that there are. Take a look at what happened to Major League Baseball and what happened to uh, the NBA in the last couple of years. NBA has came back and said, you know, maybe that wasn't such a good idea <laughs> because they lost so many viewers. And uh, I think the same thing can happen if we stop buying Coca-Cola. Uh, I th- you know, there's a lot of us out there. We can make a difference with regard to these companies. I, I think you're correct. Uh, I think we won't really see this uh, visually, and I mean really visually uh, see this process uh, until uh, full fan um, access to the to the ballparks is allowed. On the other hand, to expose my selfishness and my my commitment to my own well-being, I have been a baseball fan. My first Yankee game was in 1947. I have lived and died with the Yankees yep. for 70 years, Bob. Yep. And, you know, for me to sacrifice that part of my life because uh, these morons have done something so so ridiculous. And, again, I know I should as a patriotic American, but it's a very difficult choice for me to make to sculpt that out of my life because it's been such a major part of my life. Well, you know, and I, I agree with that. Uh, I played uh, Industrial League Baseball. I played in, in college. I love baseball. I've loved baseball all my life. It, but I have to admit that because of what's happened, it's dampened my enthusiasm uh, to watch the game. So uh, as of right now, for example, I'm not watching the games. Um, maybe I'll pick that up later in the year, but we'll see. I mean, I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be a similar reaction from a lot of people uh, based on uh, the decisions that have been made. And I think, quite frankly, uh, Michael Jordan said, uh, you know, he's a, he was a, he's a liberal guy. And uh, somebody asked him, why don't you ever talk about politics? He said, you know, conservatives buy tennis shoes, too. <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah, I can see that remark, you know. Bob, this is one of these situations where I totally agree with you. I am, I am uh, relatively ashamed of my, <laughs> my selfishness. But I, I think I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm trying to do is expose the way many Americans would feel that we don't want to give up these, uh, these things that have been part of our American life for our entire existence merely because uh, some people are doing the wrong thing right now. And I agree with you. I think we should. I think it would be uh, useful. I'm just uh, suggesting that many Americans are going to be more like uh, more like me, perhaps, where they, they just are not willing to sacrifice every particular joy in their life because of the, the woke culture that surrounds us. Uh, I would mention the woke culture specifically, the cancel culture. Uh, certainly this is an ongoing phenomenon. It, it, it's almost inescapable. Uh, you see every, almost every day, you see stories of someone having said some relatively innocuous remark. For example, uh, I just heard that, uh, I think yesterday, uh, Ocasio-Cortez indicated that anyone using the word surge would be described as a racist. Just <laughs> merely describing the, the immigrant uh, immigration process, illegal immigration process, as a surge would label you as, as a racist. And once that happens, you become vulnerable to uh, an employer who is extremely woke to fire you. Because most employers, they, uh, they'd rather be safe than sorry, as I think they see it. They would say to themselves, uh, I would rather fire this person and be safe 
than not fire them and be, uh, be yeah. propagandized by the by Black Lives Matter or the the far left in general. So yeah, you know, it's you a make very difficult cultural situation. You make it. a great point because you know I'm sitting here at my age. I've, I love doing my show, and uh, you know nobody's going to fire me, <laughs> so I can just keep <laughs> on going. It, but uh, you know, I, you're absolutely right. People are at risk at the workplace, and uh, thanks for making that point. Well, and, I mean, I'm I'm much more vulnerable at this point in my life than you are. Now, I happen to be uh, teaching online, so I I don't have a uh, a daily face-to-face exposure but uh, my school is in new york and uh, it's, it's as liberal as most in that area it's probably better than some in that area actually uh, but again I, I have a vulnerability that if exposed could probably cost me my teaching position so yeah. i i don't want to take a heroic stance or say i'm taking a heroic stance but uh, i think that uh, most people are, are more in my model uh, perhaps more profoundly in my model where they're concerned about their, their livelihood, the well-being of their families, yep. uh, and they're, they're not going to be willing to, to take on these challenges in the in the political, cultural battles of America. And yeah. I think the left knows that. Bob, uh, that's, you're making great points, Andy. Always appreciate your commentary here in the show, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you at Lulabies, we'll Bob. Look forward to it, Andy. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell and Dad, professor at the University of Houston in sports architecture. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government does doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. 
We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He is the author of several books, most of which I've read. His latest is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's always a great pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. Uh, my pleasure indeed, Professor. Uh, before we talk about the, your column in Newsmax, which is great, Joe should eat crow over Jim Crow racial vote suppression slur. Uh, could, could you make a comment for us? I mean, I enjoy your uh, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional about the book and why you wrote it. Yeah, I think, you know, as I write, I, you know, I've written 10 books, and I, I never really plan a next book, you know, it seems like it just follows my interest, and uh, I write about things that, that intrigue me that I don't want to necessarily preach about, it, more than I want to learn about, and books are an incentive to do that, so, so I think this book uh, sort of uh, brings together uh, important learning experiences that I had from several other books. It's not a it's not a companion, it doesn't, you know, I don't want to do a cut-and-paste book of other books, I don't re- Mm-hmm. really expect people to do that, but uh, I think it's kind of a, in a way, a lessons learned or experiences learned. So I have many books about, you know, things that make, um, you know, things that make our species really exceptional. The, you know, how we survived as a, as a, as, you know, as, as, a, as, as a species yeah. and how our minds and uh, capacities grew and, and evolved and, we kind of transition now, I think, from from a biological evolution, which is a very slow process, to kind of an intellectual revolution, which is which happens very, very rapidly when we're creating machines that, in many senses, are smarter than we are, and uh, with, the, with the risk of getting away from us. And uh, so, it's a, it's a very expansive book, and uh, uh, I enjoy writing it, and and it's always. A pleasure to me when other people read things and you know, it, you know these things uh, resonate with them as well. Well, I, I, it certainly resonated with me. And I must say, one of the uh, one of the thoughts that I had uh, after finishing the book is how truly, how truly fortunate we are to be alive and to be existing in this universe where there is so so much that could have made it impossible. So uh, I just uh, it, it made it, I left the book with uh, some concerns, needless to say, but also with a sense of uh, gratitude. So thank you, Professor, for that. Well, thank you so much for, for attending to it and reading it. Absolutely. So your, your column in Newsmax, Joe should eat crow over Jim Crow racial vote suppression slur. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, I think uh, what's quite a re- really kind of resonating is the situation today is that uh, fundamentally we have a very divided country. And that's no big. It's no big surprise, and uh, and it's 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 also a, a very slim, slim di- uh, divide in terms of its you know, its its uh, Congress and 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 its support in terms of you know the uh, you know the House House representatives that are very very narrow uh, uh, divide right now, and, and in terms of numbers, and uh, wouldn't take very much to push it one way or the other mm-hmm. to push it back to. Republican side and the Senate is is equally split with uh, a tie-breaking vice president vote and so on and so on. So so it's all it kind of comes down to I think one major issue is 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 voting procedures and a lot of people and I will admit myself uh, 
believe that, that the a lot of the, the voting circumstances of 2020 were a train wreck in mm-hmm. terms of legitimacy, in terms of public confidence in the voting procedures, and and uh, and I think so much centers on on control of the voting. We're seeing what's happening now with with the National Baseball League and and and, and kind of misrepresentation of, of of how Georgia changed its election rules uh, uh, and and and. Uh, and then so on. I think that's a, you know, it was very, very badly spun and, and incorrectly spun in the media in terms of what those changes really were. But it centers on, on control of the voting. If you can get rid of uh, voter ID and any kind of uh, uh, demonstration that you actually are the one that voted for something, and if if you can prevent the SEIU from collecting, uh, from harvesting votes on nursing homes and prisons and so on. You know, you're gonna you're gonna control the presence. You're gonna you're, you're gonna change you know the, the you know the landscape of political landscape for generations by creating a one party system and 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 doing so, you'll also be able to you know pack the pack the Supreme Court with like minded anti you know sort of non constitutional judges, and you can pack the you know the state you know, Senate. You know, with uh, additional members by bringing uh, Washington D.C. and Puerto Rico into the into the mix and so on, so it's it's a very very important uh, election, and and I think we're we're seeing now the Democrats with kind of a hail mary approach. We're going to pass all the legislation we can in this, this right. crazy infrastructure bill, which is kind of like the COVID relief bill. It has very little to do with infrastructure for the vast, you know. Portion of the, of the bill is is for uh, you know Democrat climate change programs and, and social programs that have little to do with improving the highways. As a matter of fact, they want to really get rid of gasoline automobiles altogether and have high speed high speed trains to you know to Nirvana. <laughs> and uh, so they're they're throwing at home area. I think it's a dangerous gamble. Yeah, because they're gambling that they're you know they they feel this is the last ditch to push it through. For before the 2022 midterms, and I think they're you know, and and it's not going to, it's not going to, uh, it may satisfy their base, small base, but it's not going to get any kind of bipartisan support. And I think they're playing a dangerous game, and I think it's a very unfortunate game for the country. You know, I couldn't agree more. Uh, right now, you just who is their constituency? And the only people I can think of. Uh, are the uh, political elite, the, uh, the large corporations. Uh, but I don't, you know, if you try to think about who, who really would vote for this stuff, I, I don't think there are many Americans who really believe in it. So they're simply, this is a power grab. I just uh, started the show by discussing the uh, massacre in Rwanda and what had happened with 500 to 1,000 to a million people slaughtered because somebody wanted to consolidate power. <laughs> Back in the day, this is a similar move. I mean, it's fortunately it's it's not a genocide, but it's certainly uh, it's certainly taking uh, uh, it's it's uh, lying, stealing, it's doing all kinds of corrupt things in order to consolidate power. Well, it's a, it's a head scratcher for me, and I think for a lot of others to say, well, why would why would some of these companies, you know, given that the you know they're gonna by by politicizing these issues within the corporations and Particularly this 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 Georgia voting thing, which was totally misrepresented, 
and 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 even 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 the Washington Post uh, uh, gave it a four four Pinocchios when Biden was was elaborating that it was just totally misrepresented. Why would why would Coca Cola and Delta Airlines and Office Deep, you know, in in and uh, uh, Home Depot and other companies alienate half of their customers. Yeah, by by these by these, by these kind of woke uh, policies, which which have no no relationship to reality, yeah. and uh, they they obviously didn't read the bills, they didn't read the legislation. They're making these decisions, and it seems like they're 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 unnecessarily creating a lot of. Uh, uh, Anger and, and uh, resentment among half of their half their customers, and I don't I don't understand it. This 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 woke madness, yeah, is just it's just kind of uh, taken over, and uh, and maybe uh, you know maybe it needs to be pushed over the edge to return to some kind of sanity. You know that's a great point, Professor. Again, Professor Larry Bell and Dad, Professor at the University of Houston. Latest book, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. I highly recommend it. What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional by Larry Bell. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, Bob, thank you. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly had fun and learned a lot. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. We're going to visit with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, We'll visit with Seton Motley. Seton is the... uh, 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 founder and president of Less Government, Matthew Germer will be joining us. He's an election fellow at the R Street Institute. We're talking about some of the changes in Florida voting law. And we'll visit with uh, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com. <laughs>